listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this landmark episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows. Joining me this week is my regular co-host and master of innuendo, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? <laughs> Hello, I'm good, I'm good. Excellent. Well, as I mentioned earlier, this is a landmark episode for us here on Spitball. We have reached the 50 episode mark. Woo! So, how does that feel, Marcus? How do you feel about hitting 50 episodes? I feel old. You feel old, really? How come? Just because of the 50 episodes. You say 50 and instantly I just feel old. I don't know what is it. Something about that number. No, it doesn't mean old. It means experienced. Ah. Slightly silver fox, not quite needing just for men, but at the same time still <laughs> interesting to the younger ladies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so does it sound better now? Ah, it sounds more hilarious. <laughs> Excellent. Right, well... As it's our 50th show, I've decided that I'm going to do something a bit random. So, let us see who we can get on the other line. Good evening, gents. Good evening, Mr. Producer Mark. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. Good, good. Well, as it's our 50th episode, I hope you don't mind. I thought I would... Uh, give you a bell so that you can share in this landmark episode with us and and how are you this fine evening yeah yeah just uh taking it easy after a uh, a very busy few days <laughs> yeah and actually while we uh think of that why don't you take a few minutes now i've got you on the line we will um it's space week for all those people out there who maybe have a small interest in in space as, as well as american football so we're going to have a little digression before we crack on with the show as our producer mr taylor has a very exciting new project to talk about yeah, basically, as you probably know, as part of Spamhead Productions, I uh, also present the, the the Garbage Pod. Well, um, as part of the Garbage Pod, we've got a new spin-off to the uh, Garbage Pod family, uh, which is called TGP Nominal. We created TGP Nominal because space, science, technology and sci-fi are subjects that we really enjoy and could go on forever talking about them. Our aim is to bring you the latest space science and technology news alongside news from the world of sci-fi whether it be on the big screen the small screen or in print for our first episode to coincide with world space week we decided to play in content from our space cadets guide to space which we recorded at the uk's national space center in leicester earlier this year with education and space communication team members zoe bailey and Josh Barker, who showed us around the complex and many of the space artifacts that are housed at the National Space Centre, as well as helping us to answer questions that were submitted by users of Twitter. We've also got our main launchpad front page, uh, where you can uh, watch uh, live rocket launches and uh, spacewalks and things like that. Uh, also, um, you can keep up to date with what's going on uh, with space.com and... Um, all kinds of things like that. So hopefully uh, it's going to be a, a brilliant venture. Yeah, it sounds it. And what do you think of that, Marcus? I, no, I love that. I mean, it's 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 got to be... If you've got an interest in that, you it sounds like an amazing project. And I definitely recommend people give it a try, give it a listen. You might find yourselves captivated. Excellent. So as I say, chaps, 50 episodes young today rather than old as we were just discussing there Marcus and all the benefits that go with it um, we shall crack on with the rest of the show you are listening to Spitball we come on to our game recap from week five some fantastic games this week for anyone who's had the chance to read our blog you'll know just how excited I was about this week's games for two reasons firstly I thought all of the games this week just were at another level uh, compared to the first four weeks of the season and also because of I'm going to throw it in there I wasn't going to 
but the Bills win over Detroit. So that I don't sound too biased, even though I've just brought it up. Marcus, what did you take from that victory? It was, it, well, first thing I took away from the victory is the poor kicker in Detroit. Now, of course, he's been uh, axed out of there and he's gone. Um, thanks for missing, I believe, three, kick, uh, three field goal attempts on the day. Yeah, it's Alex Henry, wasn't it? The former Philadelphia kicker who, who missed the field goals, which I'm extremely grateful for. But unfortunately, obviously, I'm not grateful that, that he ended up losing this job because that's really harsh. Yeah, but unfortunately, that's the cutthroat nature of football, isn't it? I mean, three, that's, that's, that's the game right there. You lose a game and such. It's not just been that. I know he's had a difficult season transitioning into the Lions team. But for me, what happened was... It was all about how Autumn would react because, of course, they named him as starter um, over Manuel. And it was kind of like, how is this going to affect the team? You're only a quarter of the season in and they've already made that change. Yeah, it was a bold move, really, wasn't it? And it paid off to a degree because he got sort of over 300 yards, uh, a touchdown and, and only one interception. But... At the same time, I think it would be it'd be wrong to say he had a, a great game, and I'm just wondering whether well, whether he'll obviously keep the start moving forward. I'm assuming he will after a win like that, but uh, it's it's a, it's a strange one because I want to keep Manuel there, but at the same time, I don't know. Before I uh, digress too much, though, and talk about the Bills all day long, which I know Mark would have my guts for, wouldn't you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> say on that game is I, I do believe both of you predicted that Detroit was going to win that <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yeah so this having the producer on the show Malarkey Marcus I think you might have to eh, we might have to get the uh, axe on that one uh, he's going to point out my mistakes <laughs> <laughs> so yes you are indeed correct as always uh, Mark we did both say Detroit was going to win and it may have even been my that Detroit were going to win whoopsie uh, but, and in, in my defence if they didn't have such a bad kicker they would have won but on that note <laughs> <laughs> um, technicality exactly a small technicality and ultimately I was wrong Dallas versus Houston. Let's talk about that next one, Marcus, because there's quite a few things on on this game. The Battle of Texas, um, again, refer back to the blog, and I apologise, but uh, I got a bit of stick from uh, one of my friends in Houston because I referred to the Texans as Dallas's poor cousins. <laughs> Firstly, <laughs> what do you make of that remark, Marcus? <laughs> and, uh, this, I, I could not, not get away from this one. Um, I saw it firstly on Red Zone, and then I kind of had to sort of bring it up and actually just watch this game, just because of the intensity and the fact that by half time what we would have thought to be either a high scoring sort of shootout game turned out to be a right slugfest yeah that three I don't nil. think we anticipated 3-0 at half time wasn't it exactly I mean it sort of opened up as you saw it opened up in the uh, in the second half and they started to attack deep and it seemed to be uh, to be fair though I mean Dallas could have been a lot further ahead had um is it Terence Williams? Yeah, Terence Williams is their receiver, yeah. Yeah, had a few really crucial drops in that first half that could have, you know, could have started the, the game a lot stronger. And I think Dallas let Houston stick around for a long time in that game. Yeah, and on the back of DeMarco Murray as well, their offense seems to be ticking at the moment because DeMarco Murray had his fifth game with over 100 yards rushing. Yeah, first person to do that since OJ. Yeah, that's right. It's the first person to do it since the juice. Uh, like to remember OJ in a good way rather than everything he did after his playing career, including the Naked Gun movies. Um, but <laughs> I, can, I can feel... He, he may not be in the same room as me, but I can feel the look of disgust on Mark's face as I start randomly chatting about things irrelevant to American football. So <laughs> let's get back to uh, the game and... How about Tony Romo showing us something we haven't seen in a while with his elusiveness and awareness in the pocket to escape J.J. Watt before throwing that big 40-plus yard bomb for the touchdown to Terence Williams, who found his catching hands? Yeah, it's definitely... Well, we see this in the past. He's, he's done these flashes of absolute genius. But the problem is he'll normally follow up with this, like this week, he'll probably be absolutely back to his worst just to sort of balance out I don't know the intrinsic forces in the galaxy if you let him have a good game he's got to have a stinker afterwards well I think he did throw a pick didn't he I think after he'd thrown that good pass to Terence Williams I think in the fourth quarter going the other way um, he did throw an interception when they were on the verge of scoring he just didn't see um, the safety in the middle of the field which 
I'm, I'm no expert, even though I claim to be. Uh, safeties generally play in the middle of the field, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he had a little bit of up, a little bit of down. But also, Arian Foster had uh, quite the second half as well, really made his impact felt on the game, especially with the game-tying touchdown. Yes, and I, I felt that that game-time touchdown... Not great game management by Houston because, of course, they let Dallas have the time to come back and possibly go and, and win it. And, and for me, I, I felt that Houston, you got to play the game a little bit smarter. You can't give Romo any sort of time. You should have ran that ball a little bit more, chewed up a bit more crop, and then pretty much you put yourself into a position where you're only going to give them seconds left. I mean, don't even give them the chance to think about getting downfield into field goal range. Yeah, indeed. And just quickly, Mark, did he say clock or something else? Producer verdict. <laughs> Can verify it was clock. Yeah, I think there's only room for, for one of those kind of mistakes. And uh, you made the, uh, the the big one last year, my friend. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting that you talk about big one and the alternative word to clock in the same sentence. Uh, <laughs> But before this podcast turns into something completely different, again, we'll leave the the Dallas game there. Of course, they managed to win it in overtime thanks to a field goal, but that was off the back of a magnificent catch by Des Bryant, which I'm assuming you've seen, Marcus. Yes. Just reaching up over. It's just the strength that he has to just, just go up and above receivers and just pluck the ball from the air. And as a cornerback as well yourself, the... The defender couldn't have played that pass any better, oh, could he? With no. his arm right in between no. Bryant's, there was no way that he could have played that any better. Sometimes players just produce magic and you just you can't outplay it yourself. The cover was just spot on. It was it was reading his eyes, he judged it correctly, and the ball just still somehow managed to make his way through into Bryant's hands. And would you say it was worthy of uh blowing your mind and, and going into the show notes as one of your mind-blowing plays of the week it was one of my mind-blowing plays of the week absolutely excellent we come on now then and we're going to brush over this one quite quickly for two reasons firstly because it's the new york jets and secondly uh, because they got shut out and that is san diego versus new york jets um Apart from the fact that the Jets were shut out, um, they changed quarterbacks at, at halftime and it still didn't seem to make a difference. What positives can we have about this game? Well, the one positive I found about the game is that even though uh, poor San Diego lost another running back in Paul Brown, mm. um, their rookie, Brandon Oliver, stepped up to the mark with gusto. Boy, is he quick as well. Just watching some of the highlights back again today, and uh, they weren't wrong when they referred him to Darren Sproles, I'll tell you that for sure. In Sproles' old jersey number, no less. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's why they made the comparison, to be fair, but the guy is just so quick, and uh, he's going to be, dare I say, another one off the waiver wire in fantasy football land this week. I think, yeah, I think there'll be a few people sitting there realising, especially um, haven't seen the extent of Brown, whether or not it is just going to sideline him. But I definitely think that now, even if Brown comes back healthy, Oliver is now going to get game planned into their games. You know, he's not going to just be a factor. He's going to be something, a factor they're going to actually write the game plan and put in the playbook for. Yeah, definitely. And things to go in the playbook. Also in this game, there was another great catch by Malcolm Floyd. I think it was a, a 49-yard catch. Um, again, it seemed to be almost off the back of a receiver. I guess this was more going over the top of the receiver, but still a difficult position to try and make the catch from. Yeah, Floyd seems to make really difficult catches. I mean, there was a few, actually. I was, I was surprised because Floyd dropped a couple easy catches through the centre of the field and then he goes and makes this this amazing catch. It's, it's crazy when you think how it balances itself out. Definitely. And again, I ask, is it something that will make the show notes or were there better things from this week? Well, the only other one I'd really written in for, the other catch that had really blown my mind... Is, is going to have to go to, to Sean Jackson to get the first Washington touchdown this week. I think you know which one I mean. Uh, do you know what, though, actually? I, again, I've just watched the highlights back again um, this evening. But, yeah, this is the uh, over-the-top between uh, Chancellor and Sherman. Is that the one? 
Exactly, the 60-yarder one where he nearly loses balance, but he holds it too to, to score the, the, the opening touchdown for Washington. Ah, right. Okay. So would you put Malcolm Floyd in there or would you say he, he's not worthy? I'd say he probably is worthy um, to squeeze into uh, now a top three rather than the top two that I'd created. Okay. Excellent. Well, I will uh, put him in as we speak. Um, and on that note as well, uh, in fact, actually, no, I'll save that till we, till we get onto the game, actually. So let's move on now to Denver versus Arizona. Now, not only was this a great game to watch, especially sort of the first couple of quarters where it looked like it was going to be reasonably close. In total, there were five Denver NFL records broken in this game. Uh, and Manning reached a career milestone of throwing over 500 touchdowns. Uh, now has 503. Um, only second on the list to Brett Favre, who has 508. So not long before he breaks that one, Marcus. He's kind of a player of this generation. I mean, he really, he's the new life, lease of life he's found in Denver, the home he's made for himself. It's, it's astounding, but he's got the weapons around him. That's the important thing. The weapons around him, the system works for him. I think it's come together so perfectly, like the stars have aligned. I, I think you, you've got to see only more good things can come from this. I don't think it's going to be too long until... I mean, it might even... I mean, there's only five behind, right? Who knows? Next week, it could be broken. Well, yeah, that's true, because let's not forget that in the opening game of last season, he threw seven touchdowns in one game, so anything can happen, and it's just... And, uh, of course, he's against the Jets this, this upcoming week. Oh, so he probably will break it then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll both be happy with that one, won't we, Mark? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Just quickly as well, Manning obviously getting over 500 touchdowns did lead me to have the discussion with with young Lewis at work today, um, and that is the whole Brady versus Manning debate because Manning has thrown obviously a lot more touchdowns. He's got more individual ref, but whilst Manning's got all of these individual records, the point I made today in Brady's favour is when you look at the calibre of offences that both have had to play with not to mention the fact that Brady's got more Super Bowl rings but you look at the players that Brady has made play better and won games and championships with compared to Peyton Manning who gets talent built in into the squad around him so that he's got plenty of depth at wide receiver and tight end etc so kind of I don't know where do you sit on on this one Marcus about Manning and, and Brady yeah I'd, I'd have to say that Manning is the better player when all the pieces are put together. However, Brady is the better initiator of electrifying the pieces around him. I mean, like you said, even when he was back in Indianapolis, the likes of... Um, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. Marvin, yeah, they, those pieces were there for him to, to just excel with. Um, whereas, of course, you look at Bill Belichick... It's never been his system to, apart from when they went out and they got Moss, really, they haven't really gone out and stuck a, uh, a big name, showy off wide receiver for, for Manning to play with, really. No, and even then it's only been one because you look at that and they had Moss, but then they, again, they didn't really have too much what you would call pro prolific, I guess, or anything. They had like the likes of Dion Branch and, um, Tim Brown, people like that to play around, uh, Randy Moss, but, uh, Manning and say this year he's got Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, Wes Welker, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he's got Tammy at tight end as well, and just kind of not to mention running back wise, and the list just kind of goes on uh, as to the talent he had around him. And the other point I, I would want to make, as you can tell, I kind of favour Brady in this argument, um, even though obviously uh, it, it pains me as always to say it. But when you look at the Super Bowls they've won. The Super Bowl that the Colts won against the Bears, you couldn't say that Manning won that Super Bowl. That Super Bowl was all on the Colts' defense. Yes, and and the Miami Rain. Uh, well, yeah, that that always helps as well. But uh, so we'll let that go out there because that's something. It's a debate that's going to go on for years and years, and ultimately they'll both be in the Hall of Fame. And I think that's probably a good place to leave it, isn't it, Mark? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, good to have someone to keep me in check or make me mindful of where I need to move on. So, uh, other records before we kind of come on to the game itself. Uh, Demarius Thomas broke Shannon Sharp's single game record for receiving yards. Um, he it was 226 receiving yards that Demarius Thomas got 
Uh, he also got two touchdowns. So they're the two that people, I think, would have been aware of. But some other little nuggets I found today is the uh, other three records. Marcus, do you know what other three records were broken? No, please tell. Okay, the first is that uh, Julius Thomas and his seven touchdown catches through four games is a Denver record. Uh, the previous record was six, set by Wes Welker last year. So there's something for you. Uh, and thinking of Wes Welker, he now has the most career catches of any undrafted player at 854 and the final little nugget for everyone is that Denver racked up 568 yards of offense which is again another Denver record breaking their total of just over 550 from one game last year so as well as the records Marcus what do you have to add on the Denver Arizona game it really came down to that even though Denver almost kind of in a way became one-dimensional when, of course, Ball went out injured and Hillman had to come in. And I feared that it might actually become to the fact that with a one-dimensional team, you always run the risk. But Manning still managed to find a way of keeping the Arizona defense honest and having to having to protect against a possibility of the run and then just blowing them apart and just pinpoint precision accuracy. Yeah, phenomenal. We know Manning is such a great passer and and again, it helped that all of his pieces were back and playing well. So he had Welker, he had Sanders, he had both Thomases, and and on the back of that, he also had, uh, as we say, a, a good running game to to back it up. So Denver obviously came away with a, a big victory there, um, scoring forty one points against Arizona. So Arizona then moved to three and one on the season. So that was one undefeated team down uh, I don't have it to come on to actually but while we're thinking of the undefeated teams Cincinnati also lost to New England in quite spectacular fashion didn't they yeah this really was one to just shut the critics up really um, after the after the loss uh, prior everyone sort of started I mean you saw probably the news just was full of Belichick Brady the end of the era it's had it and I love the fact that in Foxborough in their own house they made them eat humble pie absolutely and the funniest thing was as well did you see the the interview clips in the week building up to that game because they were like oh they're asking Belichick how do you think you, you're playing so far do you think you're playing badly and it's like we're getting ready for Cincinnati right now <laughs> and I think you've said it about 13 times during the interview Brady said it sort of quite a few times as well and it's like well I guess they obviously did quite a lot of preparation for Cincinnati bearing in mind they just blew them out of the water but we'll we'll see whether they maintain that form or whether it was just the uh, the prime time TV slot that kicked him into gear the other prime time slot this week was uh, Monday Night Football between Seattle and Washington Marcus, I want to get your thoughts on this one because I mean, again, this week I was so enthralled by the action, I could just keep talking and talking and talking, but I'm sure our listeners want to hear from you as well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. Okay. Well, for me, it was kind of weird because at one point it seemed that Seattle would run away with it. And then they seemed to almost, for just a split second, look like they actually might implode. Um, kind of like we saw them do against San Diego earlier this year on their loss. Um, and it was. For me, the real telling one was when they had to uh, they had to trade in. Uh, you saw Harvin scored twice, two touchdowns on back to back plays, both pulled back because of stupid penalties. Yeah, we know how you feel about those. Yeah, well, it just seemed to me that just for a split second, then of course, then they come back into it, and then the drive just not let it, the defense coming up and stopping Washington because of course I don't think Washington had an entire first down in the first quarter was that? Uh, I, I don't think they did mate no I know they were they were playing pretty poorly up to up to when they got their first score exactly so but it just it left me sort of wondering and there's there's other points as well when they came out in, into the third quarter to begin the third quarter um, it seemed the Seattle defense just hadn't made it quite out of the um, the locker room it just seemed a little bit sluggish and for me there are definite cracks showing where there's teams that obviously understand the formula of trying to beat um, Seattle now and you can definitely see that there is uh, there is a relationship between how you know you shut down the running game because of course Marshall Lynch had a beast of a game because he was able just to to run as he wanted to I mean you saw the yards after contact were just phenomenal 
Yeah, he was limited though as well, wasn't he, Marshawn Lynch this week? He didn't play the whole game and probably made maybe about 50% of the snaps, I think. Yes. I mean, I don't know why, because he was just tearing it up. I don't know if his injury or something like that. They went a lot more to adding Harvin into the run game on that sort of wide receiver um, sweep. Um, and then, of course, Wilson had a, an amazing game running because just all the extra pressure that was being forcing him out of the pocket. And of course, he can make with his legs because that's a good Redskins defense. I do like the Redskins defense. However, had they gone up against a slightly better because especially the offensive line, we saw on a few plays they might have, you might have seen it online. There's a few highlights that on a more than one occasion, you can actually see offensive linemen completely almost left in the starting blocks as they're beaten for sacks on uh, Kirk Cousins. And I think that if they had come up against a stronger offense that could have kept up with them point for point, it could have possibly been out a different game. There's just a few cracks in the Legion of Boom defense, and there's just not quite the, the, the shine on this uh, our Super Bowl champs. And we know why. Are we talking about the uh, the Madden curse? Well, of course. <laughs> when do I not talk about the Madden cover curse? Because it's real. <laughs> That's all there is to say about that, really. Um, coming back to Russell Wilson, though, I'm going to put the highlights of this game in the show notes just so that people can see how dangerous Russell Wilson is. Sorry, Russell, Russell Wilson? That's not his name. <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> Now that's some highlights I do want to see. I want to see Russell Howard running amok in the Washington defense. (laughs) (laughs) Fake that play action, boy. Fake it, fake it. Off you go. Uh, Would be interesting. Uh, Back to Russell Wilson. Now I can pronounce his name properly. He just showed his looseness, doesn't he? And the way he faked out the entire defensive line on one of his big runs uh, with the uh, sorry with the play action, just amazing. You'll see it in the highlights. And finally, before we move on to the last game, coming back to Percy Harvin and the disallowed touchdowns, not only did he have two in a row, (laughs) but by the end of the game, he had three touchdowns disallowed. <laughs> it's just it's obscene, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that that's for me that was it because you're sitting there if you put those you put those twenty one points on the board, we're talking a forty eight seventeen blowout. Yes, absolutely. So I mean well actually to be fair, two of them were back to back, so you could have only ever had one of them. But still, aesthetically that's still a forty one seventeen blowout. And it's just those little things, those little tiny, you know, little nuances to the game that can lead when you get further down into the stretch, when you're tired, the team has taken a few knocks, there's a few players out and you're trying to get um, ready for the playoffs and try and get on that hot streak. They're the things that you don't want to come back and bite you in the Indeed. We're going to finish off then the roundup with Atlanta versus the New York Giants. And again, for me, it seems to be Atlanta. Whenever they're playing outside, and that's obviously always away from home, they just don't seem to be the same team that they are in the Dome. And I want to ask you, Marcus, before we talk about the rest of the game, do you think the fact that Atlanta play a minimum of nine games in a Dome a year, we're talking their eight home games plus a visit to the New Orleans Dome, does that have an impact on how well you play on natural grass and and the fact that you're open to the elements when you're not used to playing in it you know i do think it is because the example i want to bring up is that this morning we had training in the cold and the wet here down in plymouth and you could definitely see we had training the week before when it was a drier more humid morning we had players catching footballs we had them running routes just a bit quicker a bit sharper today everything just seems a little bit just off key a few more drops and stuff like that so i think if you put that on a grander scale nfl scale I think it does affect you. I think you do just lose a step from the grip in a dome to actual grass that gives way on you maybe a little bit um, to the resistance of natural air, wind playing a factor. I think also you might have the possibility that you've got a temperature differential, where's your nice air conditioned, you know, does your, your muscles cramp up a bit more? I think there is a big I think people play down the fact that what domes do is actually deter you from performing at peak outside, especially when the fact is you consider NFL is played in the winter, the autumn and winter stretch. 
So especially now when it's slightly warmer, you come hit you hit December and you've got to go somewhere. We've seen Lambo in the, the snow. We've seen Foxborough in the snow. That is you telling me that's not gonna make a bad differential. I know snow is different to outside what it was, but I still think there's there's a base level of preparation and just mechanics in running and playing football outside to inside. That's completely fair enough. And the last one I want to throw in there is don't forget Philadelphia after the carnage and the blizzard from oh, last year. Yeah. <laughs> but so we come on to the, the game itself then. And it was good to see the rookie Odell Beckham, uh, wide receiver of the Giants, get his first start of the year after recovering from injury. Great applause and sort of reception from the crowd. And I think he deserved it. Um, he plays that system very nicely. He's exactly what to add on to for for Peyton Man to, to work with because now they've got the Cruz, Randall and Beckham and of course they've got Jennings who's proving to be a very useful back along with Williams who seems to be again this whole flash and thunder system so I think actually if we don't take Giants seriously in the East because that's actually looking like a pretty strong division this year I mean I know the Redskins are still trying to work out some teething troubles especially offensively but I think the Giants you've got the Eagles who, let's face it, they looked good against the Rams and then fell asleep and nearly could have come back into that. And we've seen it all year with the Eagles going behind to Jacksonville, um, going behind to, I can't remember who their second game was, where they had to come from behind. Dallas looking strong, fair play. I think if you don't give Giants fair due and credit, they could overpass Philly and maybe sneak in a wild card. And just quickly to, to clarify, it's actually uh, our good friend Eli Manning that's quarterback for the Giants rather than, than Peyton Manning, as as mentioned by my, my good co-host there in his... Oh, I didn't say Peyton, did I? You 100% <laughs> oh, did. Oh, what did I do? I didn't even catch that one. Did you know? Oh. Hey, whoa, who's the producer here? <laughs> <laughs> do we need to swap chairs? <laughs> oh, it's been a long day. I bet, I bet. <laughs> so... Uh, other points for, from that game uh, a really surprising call when the uh, the game was on the line for Atlanta on fourth and one within their own half uh, they decided to go for a pass when they have the likes of Stephen Jackson and let's face it if we're thinking fourth and one uh, a, f- a friend of the show what do they always do when it's effectively extra points or one yard out get the old quarterback sneak going here the first style why didn't they try doing that instead of going for a pass and ending up with a sack coaching we've known it because there's been the last few couple of years we've always had in Atlanta the dubious fourth down calls and this has just seemed to be racking another one onto another pile of dubious calls yeah, agreed. I, I couldn't understand it myself. As I say, fourth and one, uh, it's, it's got to be a run when you've got such big players uh, and such big weapons that can run the ball for you. Um, it, it did seem a, a little bit strange. The only thing is maybe they were concerned about their offensive line, but even still, if you're concerned about your offensive line, what you want to do is get them on the front foot pushing defenders back rather than having to let the defenders run towards them, which you do if you're defending a pass. So, um, very strange. And finally, I just want to mention something which I'm going to sneak into the mind-blowing plays, and that is the Julio Jones one-handed catch, Marcus. Oh, yes. I've forgotten about that. What can we say? I think the best thing to do is just get you guys to to watch the highlight because I'm actually speechless just thinking about it I mean that's how good this catch is when you see it you will totally understand and uh, I think that should wrap us up for the segment what say thou Mr. Producer I think that's about it for that yes who are you I don't even know your name what's your name turn around let me see your name turn around let me see your name turn around I don't know you bro you're having one of those days hey baby you're having one of those days I say that to say this. If you wouldn't have did what you would have did, then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Jeez. I can't face with these gloves. I'm my teeth. I think I trim my tooth. Wish I had some gold so you can buy me some teeth. Now we move on to the awards. And for those new to the show, we have um, an offensive uh, impact award, otherwise known as the Award. 
and we have a defensive impact player, otherwise known as the Mr. Award. So, Marcus, as opposed to letting you go first, in fact, actually, <laughs> you, know what? you know what? Actually, no, we've got we've got the producer on the show. So, producer, w- which direction should we head in first? You know what? I think Marcus should go first because then it's going to have you squirming again. I think. Okay, and, and which award are we going to start with? And I'll, I'll thank you for that later. Why I order? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with Megatron. Excellent. So, Marcus, you heard the man. Over to you. So my runner up for the uh, the Megatron this uh, this week is I, I couldn't really decide. I was really I'm annoying about it about who goes top, who gets the silver medal, and I'm I'm pretty sure that you know it could have gone either way. But I'm going to give the silver medal to Peter Manning this week for his 479 yards and four touchdowns. Forget about the two interceptions uh, and breaking the records this week. I think that's an amazing contribution he adds week in week out to that Denver Broncos, making them just one of the powerhouses of football at the moment forget about the interceptions <laughs> what kind of award is this unbelievable it's a good job he's only your runner up I'll tell you that for now <laughs> <laughs> well I think they swayed I think they might have swayed the ballot the fact that you know two mistakes in the game oh, we can't be having that yeah exactly two mistakes unbelievable Jeff so <laughs> uh, <laughs> luckily he wasn't my runner up or winner so a nice try Mark but uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens when we come to announcing the winner uh, my runner up this week is going to be very popular with all of the Green Bay fans out there and my runner up is Aaron Rodgers uh, for his performance against a really really shocking Minnesota team 12 out of 17 passes uh, 156 yards so this was more about his passes and the passes he made with the accuracy and the uh, again the impact they had on the game uh, three touchdowns uh, completed 70% of his passes a QB rating of 138.7 I'm um, sure there's more and more stats out there, but every time we needed to find a big play, he found one of his key receivers. Uh, three touchdowns, three different receivers. He was right when he told everyone to just relax. He's like, I got this. You guys don't need to panic about our start of the season. Just chill, just chill. Aaron Rodgers is here, it's okay. Uh, so he is my runner-up. And your winner, Marcus. My winner this week goes to uh, a complete newbie to the show someone we haven't mentioned before and someone hopefully we'll be mentioning a lot of in the future that goes to Brandon Oliver running back for San Diego oh wow okay yeah so you're giving it to him for his uh, off the bench performance yeah I think when you're coming on the bench you've got to remember three weeks ago this guy was the fourth string running back I mean we're talking he was on special team duties he's now coming in replacing with all the injuries next man up appeal that's how it works in this league now you've got to be ready to step up when your time is called and he came in and did it perfectly example of what you're supposed to do 114 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well as 68 yards and a touchdown in the receiving we're going to hear a lot about this young man I think he's going to be great in that system and I think there's more to come Excellent. And when you say of how low down he was in the depth chart, it just reminds me of uh, a player who we had the chance to listen to live when we were on Regent Street uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that is Terrell Davis, who was, of course, uh, the sixth choice. If if, if those of you uh, heard the interview that he gave on stage, uh, he was sixth uh, choice on the depth chart at one point in Denver. Um, and we all know uh, the rest is history. So, yeah, good luck to, uh, to Mr. Oliver. And, um, yeah, hopefully you'll have a, a great career there. I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this one. So I'm going to come on to my winner now of the award and I am going with a man who according to Black Tie from the Dave Damashit program throws a very sexy deep ball and that is Mr. Russell Wilson uh, Seattle Seahawks gets it this week for all of the big plays particularly with his feet uh, rushing wise he had uh, 122 yards he also had a touchdown at times he made that Redskins defense look incredibly foolish and they had no idea where the ball was until he was 10-15 yards downfield not to mention that he also had 201 yards passing and two touchdowns so all in all for me I just thought uh, he controlled that game 
and a, another great example of, of what to do if you're low down in the Jeff chart because he was a third round draft pick he was second choice to Matt Flynn three years ago uh, played his way through training camp became the starter and again um, we've all seen uh, what's happened in his career since then is that enough talking from me? <laughs> yeah <laughs> well then maybe you'd like to take over the rest of the segment ah. no you're alright <laughs> <laughs> cool uh, so we come on now to the Mr award and uh, I will ask you Mark is Marcus going first again or am I going first I think we're going to flip it again this time so uh, go ahead my friend excellent okay so my runner up is uh, Vontae Davis of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, again, we mentioned this a few times. It's not necessarily so much about the individual stats they have, more the impacts they have on the game. And I just thought that when those big plays needed to be made by the Colts' defense, it was either a pass deflection, um, he got an interception as well. He just seemed to be everywhere. Granted, he did give away some silly penalties as well, which which did help the, the Ravens at times, but... All in all, like, you can't help but watch the highlights and hear his name being mentioned. So uh, for that reason, he is my runner-up this week, and Mark's going to love my winner. But <laughs> we're going to come on to you now, Marcus, for your runner-up, please. Right, my runner-up this week is actually rather nicely set up because mine's on the flip side of the ball this week. Mine is CJ Mosley, linebacker for Baltimore. So uh, same yeah. game, other side. Now, the reason, like, perfectly like you said, he's on the losing team. Why has he made an impact? Well, because this is a rookie linebacker coming into a very difficult defense, one that's quite prolific needs to step up to. Eight tackles, six assists, and an interception. The entire defense helped keep Baltimore into the game. It should have been a tight game. The offense didn't quite back up their defense and Mosley coming in as an inside linebacker to a very tricky system has sort of made that position his own and he's dominating and I feel that this young man again like with um, Oliver he's going to make a very good name for himself great future if he keeps performing like this I think at times the Baltimore defense him included kept them in that game and I think should have allowed for the Baltimore offense to win the game for them it didn't happen today however if he keeps making impacts like this I think we'll see some more wins coming in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a, a great product out of Alabama as well. And we know um, how great that program is down in Alabama. I mean, granted, they didn't win the, the championship last year, but, you know, someone else has got to win it every once in a while. But generally speaking, the, the Alabama players, whenever they come into the league, they, they do make a massive impact. So that brings us on nicely then to uh, my winner, which... Mark is going to absolutely adore, um, and I'm sure... I can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah where, where might that be? It's, it's going to be more than one player, isn't it? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to 11 players, to be precise. <laughs> um, so my winner this week for the Mr... Award is the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, woo! Managed to get him in the show properly. Excellent. I think it's very hard to argue when you look at how well that defense played. Um, again, you may not necessarily think much to the stats. Um, it did also help that that Calvin Johnson only had one catch and, and unfortunately had to leave the game through injury. But as a defense, uh, a forced fumble an interception but the most telling stat of all is one that can quite easily get overlooked how's this for great defense uh, the uh, the Lions were only able to convert one out of 11 third downs that to me is why they have won my Mr. Ray Lewis award this week because when they needed to get the Lions off the field they got them off the field well uh, all I can say yeah congrats for that but still hashtag baseball <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I thought my reasons might, you know, sway you as to uh, to allowing a, a defense this week, but you know, I guess not. So, <laughs> Marcus, who is your winner? I've been played by the rules this week. I picked one person. What? Come on, we yes. had this whole discussion about how we like winding <laughs> him up, <laughs> and you go and pick one player. I mean, what's that about? Uh, Call yourself a co-host. <laughs> well, my winner this week is going to drum roll. Junior 
Julius Peppers, linebacker, Green Bay Packers. Uh, yeah, I nearly said Chicago Bears then. Whoopsie. Three <laughs> <laughs> tackles, half the a sack, a pass deflection, and an interception returned 49 yards for a touchdown. They've been waiting for him to make this kind of impact. He's shown up on the field again, again. It was against the, the Minnesota and Ponder had a bad day. He had six sacks in total. He was looked flustered. Green Bay really worked out a system of like moving people around. They had Peppers down on the line. They had him moving back in coverage where he got the interception. He sort of shed a little bit of weight. So now he has the dual ability. And I think now it's paying off with the performance on the field. In a great performance in general by the Packers and that defense especially, he's got to stand out the fact that you know, he can now diversify that role as the sort of outside down lineman, linebacker combo. Great performance, great touchdown, great work. Are you sure you don't want to change your mind and change it to the entire Packers defense? No! <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't blame a guy for trying. And, uh, and on that note, we move on with the show. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. Let's eat! You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple! Orange! Orange! Hot potato. I don't want no crackers! Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him, he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll brown these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. So, Marcus, I ask at this point in the show, What's been grinding your gears this week? You know what really grinds my gears? The fact the media is so quick to jump on the back of players who possibly have a bad game. Now, of course, the main focus this week was Brady and Bilicek up in New England. But then we look around the league and we see other people. Like we said, we were talking about earlier this year, Indianapolis instantly had doubts when the Colts had problems. Of course, they've now gone on a three-game winning streak and all's fine now. Why is it you can quickly so burn yourself in the media and then praise them as a hero? You can't loft them on your shoulders if you've just burnt them the week before. That's just something that you just can't do. You can't be that sort of whimsical nature that you want to diversify them and make them your hero and your villain. You've got to pick one or the other. You can't do that. Same with Jets. Jets, of course, they have the long strings. You won that in New York. Time is tough. The media's always going to get on your back. But at the same time, the system isn't working. You can't just come in there and just suddenly call for a change in. It's game four. You know, they're one and three now. Uh, so it's game five. It's one and three. They're working out a way, sitting there going like that. So now it's one and four. You've got to find a way that you've got to have a balance. You can't just come in here and try and think that everything... What positivity are you going to create in that team if you're just going to hound them? You know, why isn't, wouldn't it be so much more productive to get behind your team and let's try and actually make some support? We can get through this community-wise, team-based, seem to let into the, the system itself. So the fact is NFL teams are so spread out that even entire states will root for one team that they've got. So why are we suddenly so quick to cut them loose when it suits us? And especially when the media does it and turns them into the bad guy. I don't like it per se. I think that if we're going to try and sit there, when especially when the NFL has got such bad media at the moment, can we not try and focus on the good things? Let's get the good things on show. Let's balance out all the bad stuff that's happening. Let's make a good thing for once. And that's what's been grinding my gears. Well, two things on the back of that. Boss, haven't we slated people like that before and then praised them straight after? Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> the press just love to build them up and then knock them down as much as they can. It's, it's, it is ridiculous. So I would say, uh, and here's one for the end of year sound bites, that Marcus has been grinding his own gears this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, just finishing off on that as well what we're going to try and do as we said that uh, in all seriousness there is quite a lot of bad media surrounding the NFL at the moment so what we're going to do every uh, couple of three weeks is we will look to bring you um, some well it's harsh to call them good news stories but we're going to show you the things that the players do outside of the game like we did a couple of weeks ago when we um, showed you what Aaron Rodgers does in his better more one of the many things he does uh, and the same with Brandon Marshall so keep an eye in the show notes uh, next week as we will also bring you uh, some more stories on uh, charities and other 
goodwill events that the players take part in outside of the game. They're not all child beaters, not all uh, fiancé beaters. There is a lot of good that goes on out there, so let's focus on the good, and I will leave that there. Spanhead Productions are a small, independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. We finish off now then with our week six game preview and also our. Uh, Marcus, I'm going to come to you first and say uh, what games are you looking forward to, sir? I, I really want to actually see what can happen now with. I know it sounds bad, but the wooden spoon event going down in Tennessee between Jacksonville and Tennessee can Jacksonville get themselves a win yeah I see what you mean. It's, it's one of those where they're both playing so badly you're like oh no what are you going to do what are you going to do but I can't take my eyes off it they're playing that badly kind of thing so um uh, well I want to see Bortles I want to see his development his evolution into the into the quarterback position now he's still making a few rookie mistakes but he's definitely learning at a faster rate than we would um, anticipate if we take away that pick six um, against um, Pittsburgh last week I think there's a possibility that you know the game could have played out because then that let Pittsburgh run their game when they got the ball back they could just run out the clock and they called it quits that way and that's how Pittsburgh sort of won the game when they're going down to Tennessee as it's a division game as well can you step it up one more notch? Have you got an 11 that you can just turn the dial to when you need to? Because now is the time. If you're ever going to have and show that 11, now is the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And especially being a division game as well. So whatever dreams they may have of, of getting a sniff of the playoffs, then now is the time to start winning games, um, particularly in the division. And they were making the comparison in the media, weren't they, of, of Blake Bortles to how he compares and, and is very similar to Ben Roethlisberger. And with his running style, um, which is quite punishing, you would have to say uh, you can you can see why they, they make that comparison. Um, yeah, he's, he's very similar. Uh, one game I want to talk about, staying in the same division, in fact, actually, is for Thursday Night Football this week uh, as the Indianapolis Colts take on the Houston Texans. So Texans will still be feeling very sore after that loss to the Cowboys. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, Colts are on a, a three-game win streak. So um, big, big game. And can Fitzpatrick step up and win a big division game? Or will we really see what Andrew Luck and those Colts are capable of? I don't know. Seeing how well the defence played against Dallas, seeing how the offence of Indianapolis um, had its its fair share of difficulties against the Baltimore defence, I think we might have another sort of um, low-scoring game as if we like we had this week with both of them. So, you know, both were... No, they weren't both 2017. Um, Baltimore was... 2013, but again, that sort of that sort of feel. I don't feel a 30 point each side shootout coming along. I think a very close game is in order here. Yeah, which is very different to I would say. I think it's the last two, possibly three Thursday night footballs we've had um, that have just been complete blowouts one way or the other. There's been some real real points being put up. I think I can't remember watching the highlights. They were talking about just how many points have been put up on Thursday night games and it's it's a ridiculous amount for the first first sort of four or five weeks yeah because you've got to think the last week you had uh, the Packers winning uh, by uh, 42-17 I believe it was against the Vikings um, then th- was the week before that when uh, Falcons had their massive game against Tampa I think it, it might have been when Hester yeah, broke the record yeah. um, and then prior to that again there was another I can't remember the two teams involved but again it was another big sort of 40 point I'm sure swing um, but as always I, I digress um, another game I'm quite looking forward to is Chicago at Atlanta so it'll be interesting to see uh, how Atlanta and Chicago both bounce back off their defeats this week yeah again it's, it's going back into the dome so I think 
you're answering the critics that Chicago coming to you in, in Atlanta, can you, you know, can you turn it around and take the win in your home stadium? Because now everyone's putting the, the pressure on you to say you can't win away. So now the pressure is to win at home. So can you at least answer that critic say we can just win? Doesn't matter who comes, we can just win. Al Davis, just win, baby, yeah? Exactly. Excellent. So what other games are you looking forward to, Marcus? Um, you Actually, another game that really sort of soups up to be a great match. You were talking up the Buffalo defence. How about New England coming and paying them a visit? Yeah, it should be interesting uh, in the Ralph as well. So we know that's going to be absolutely rammed uh, full of the Bills Mafia. They're going to be bouncing from the walls, uh, no doubt, especially after that big win in Detroit. So... Uh, unbelievable to think that we're actually 2-0 and against teams in the NFC North this year. So to all of the Packers fans out there, you're welcome. <laughs> right, great game in prospects. Uh, Patriots played well again, didn't they? So uh, I always get worried when Brady and the Patriots come into town because no matter what their season form is like, Brady just always manages to find a way to tear apart our defence in the dying two minutes of the game and uh, I don't like it I'm going to be honest um, <laughs> it's, it's that simple um, another big division clash this week uh, NFC East the New York Giants at Philadelphia we mentioned it a bit earlier didn't we so um, that's going to be an interesting game to watch this week if Philadelphia aren't careful Giants will come in and take an upset Oh, you, you're really gonna. Is that gonna be your swing, in fact, or have you got something else in mind? No, that that is my swing, and I'll, I'll explain it more in a minute. Uh, well, well, why take a minute? We're we're on that now, so let's do it. All right. Well, in my mind, watching the Giants and the way they played, um, the defense still is a little bit yeah. So I think Philadelphia will try to overexpose themselves by attacking deep. Now they've got the running backs of McCoy that hasn't really sort of worked this 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 year. So I think if Philadelphia are going to win, they've got to balance out that offense. However, Giants with all their all their weapons, we've seen Philadelphia as by the Rams who don't really we've not not got that prolific a passing. I mean, we had Davis come and sort of almost spank out 400 yards of offense against Philadelphia. I think Eli got it right this time. Eli and his receiving core, Randall Cruz and now Beckham I think with Jennings and Williams creating the the balance on the ground, I think that's a better offense against the Philadelphia defense. This is going to be the shootout. Whereas I said Indy Houston is going to be the defensive match of the week, this will be the offensive match of the week. We're talking, we are talking 30 points aside. We are talking sort of down to the wire with pretty much stupid amount of yardage. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, just slightly off topic, which I know Mark loves, uh, you mentioned there Cruz and Beckham. And uh, do you think that maybe Cruz Beckham will end up playing for the New York Giants? (laughs) (laughs) It does. It it sounds really strange hearing Beckham being mentioned in this. Maybe that's why it's called Beckham Jr. I don't. Well, maybe we should use the full title Odell Beckham then. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, I think that would work for me. So I'm going to finish off then with my uh, last game, which also happens to be my... Uh, and you've obviously noticed the theme of me upsetting Mark this week. I am picking Green Bay over Miami uh, for my swing. And... I'm going for a 65-35 in favour of Green Bay, um, so by 10 points or more. Despite the fact that Miami uh, will be coming off their bye week, I just think that Green Bay are starting to work things out. Marcus mentioned earlier how the defence is starting to get things worked out and Julius Peppers is sort of fitting into his role as, as outside linebacker instead of defensive end. And with the way Rodgers and those receivers are starting to play, I think... Yeah, they're just going to be too much for that Miami defence. They'll be wishing they were playing Oakland again by the end of that game. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Miami usually don't play very well after a bye week, so it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a polite way of saying, oh, yeah, you're right? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I think... Uh, Mark's probably had enough of my abuse for one week but as this was our 50th episode I hope you have enjoyed this as much as I have sir it's been a blast as always is to, to 
with me involved. Excellent, and thank you again for, for coming on. Uh, such short notice with a little phone call there, so um, glad you weren't up to anything this evening, or if you were, I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, Marcus, my good friend, my co-host, my master of innuendo, thank you, sir. Ah, uh, it's always good to be on here. So 50 episodes down, uh, here's to another 50 strong episodes. Uh, hopefully you've all enjoyed it as much as I have this week. I've had an absolute blast. Um, and until next time, football fans, remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. We are also uh, available on iTunes and our latest shows are available on the 1800 online network uh, link to which is on the side of the page so again until next time stay safe take care and thanks for stopping by (laughs) 